HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Patina Events at Brooklyn Botanic Garden, an idyllic location for weddings, corporate events, and parties of any style. Visit us at patinaevents.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're bringing you four stories about lost and found culinary treasures. We are searching for what will be lost, and we're trying to rejuvenate it. What we try to do is collect these sourdoughs that contribute to the biodiversity of sourdough in order to store them, to document them, and be able to preserve them for the future. It's bringing back the history and just being part of that time that just, it's, there's nothing like it. You know, there's, there's nothing like it. When fame comes late, uh, I'm sure it's just as sweet as when it comes earlier. <laughs> Tune in to this week's episode of Meat and Three. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, everybody, welcome to the show Life's a Banquet. The show that's edible, spreadable, and Zara. Horrible! Starring your hosts, me, Brett and Scott, and me, Zara Tanglora. A show about chocolate and wine and bread, champagne and scandal and crackers in bed. I'm drunk! <laughs> Always. Life's a banquet, life's a banquet, life's a banquet, life's a banquet! One another? Consider it done. It's really short. Oh, it's uh, really short. Welcome to the said. show. Oh, sorry. Hey, live people! Welcome to the show, Life's a brank- Banquet. Life's a brank- uh, Brokewit. And this is the show about all things edible, spreadable, and Zara. Pourable! And that means food. That means get drunk, get fat, and... Get well, laid. And get laid. Exactly. Pourable. Get into it. Uh, so if you're just tuning in, uh, Zara and myself, we're sitting here in Heritage Radio. We're both cooks and chefs and consultants and <laughs> yoga teachers and, and xylophone players. Uh, we are the music makers and we are the dreamers, dreamers of, of the dreams. dreams. Mm, foreshadowing <laughs> so listen how are you you know what i'm actually really good it's a pleasure to see you you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed apparently on a little anorexia riding the anorexia wave okay so for those of you that have been following the show and know the ups and downs of brett and scott's personal life <laughs> including his addictions <laughs> microdosing macrodosing and alcohol consumption 
I'm at four weeks of no oh. marijuana, which I have to say, I would like to just say that I have a lot more energy. Yeah. And I'm a little, le- I'm able to control my hunger a little bit more because. Uh, the, no, none of them munchies. Yeah, none of the munchies, but uh, also I have more energy and. Uh, so, yeah, and I'm kind of doing this little intermittent fasting thing just as I prepare for bikini season. Mm, yes. Uh, oh, <laughs> my. You have to put that yellow chiffon dress on again. Oh, my gosh. And I we'll want to post a get, picture of that. Listen, I'm a size nine and I need to get back to a size three. So, <laughs> folks, you understand. And being a chef cook is <laughs> makes it kind of hard. It is, for, honestly, for me, it's funny. I was doing a recipe testing from home for my job yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I... I mean, I know this about myself, but I, I had to mention it to someone. They're like, oh, you must yeah. be so full. I hope you're getting to eat some of this food that you're making. Uh, the classic. It yeah. was a truck driver from the 1950s. Oh, I hope you're getting to you eat some of that food. Yeah, you yeah. Know, um, <laughs> hey, waiter, I hated my food. <laughs> There's a fly in this soup. Um, anyway, so this normal person was like, hey, I hope you're getting to taste some of the food you're making. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I never eat anything when I'm recipe testing or cooking ever. I, so take, I become what, repelled. You, you take little bites and tastes. Tiny before. tastes. If I'm making a dressing, I'll take a tiny taste. Microscopic if I a, tastes. If I take a bite, I spit. I do not swallow. Well, folks. <laughs> Men. In case you were <laughs> women, in case you weren't <laughs> whoever it is. The other, whatever. Others, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really interesting. I am kind of the opposite when I am recipe testing. Mm. I am actually, I'm the guy, I'm like, oh my God. God, I ate all of the buttercream. Oh, <laughs> uh, it wasn't even good, but I just felt bad. Like, oh, yeah. and I do have to tell myself, I said, Breton, this is not, this is going to be here and there's going to be another batch and <laughs> there's going to be another batch after that. I've seen this Breton. Yeah, you know. I Grazing Breton. I, sometimes I can't stop, but it's almost like, once I start or if I, if I say it to myself in the beginning of the day, hey, listen, there, you're ha- you have a banquet of, life's a banquet of food sitting in front of you. Then I kind of, I'm a little bit more chill about it. Right. But if I just get in and hungry, then I just let myself go. And- totally. I, I feel like the one time in life when I will really eat like a monstrous animal mm-hmm. is if I'm working on the line. And I feel like when you work in a kitchen, especially if you work on a line, you Hot. only have one time you're really going to eat a day. Like you have to maybe taste certain things you're making little by little, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you're working for like 12, 15, 16 hours a day. You're running around mm-hmm. and you have one time to really make it count and maybe 10 minutes to sit. I will shove a burrito in my face and I'm a f- with the veracity. <laughs> Is that a wet or a dry burrito? Um, <laughs> hmm, I, I do like it wet. Okay, perfect. <laughs> but sometimes it's dry. Anyway, well, against know. my will. Well, add a little sauce is what they say. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that's the time in my life when I'm really just shoving ham to her fist, ta- eating Tasmanian devil style, usually over the garbage can out of a cork container. Mm-hmm. With sauce dripping down your yes, forearms. Exactly. Into, into your armpits. Someone's like, Zara, I have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, what's up? What's all going on with oh you? My God, I haven't I had seen a, you as much as I normally well, I, do. I had a really, really big, I had a big job, uh, a photo shoot, you know, for food. Mm, um, heard of it. For a very large, gigantic, gigantic company. No, it was for a really nice company. And uh, so it was 10, well, it was nine, eight or nine days or something. That's a but long was, time. You know, some of it was spread out. Some of it was prep, but a lot of it was on set. And speaking of food, we <laughs> if you do food styling, they're so much food and a lot of it is just well it's not meant for human consumption i mean yes we cook (laughs) things that are edible right but they're not eating it's not like we're cooking for people we're cooking for the photo shoot and then suddenly you're like oh my god there's 
you know, three steaks and there's, or actually in this case, there's four steaks and there's And you love grilled free things. Free. Who doesn't love free, delicious, high quality cooked food? I mean, a lot of people like free. I think I told you about the neighbor. I think I've told the listeners too, but I'll remind you all again. Yes. Of the neighbor that we had upstairs from Bruzy, who was a dumpster diver. That's right. Billy uh, Ocean. I shouldn't say his real name. His name is Billy Ocean, the 1980s singer. Anyway, so he uh, would stockpile his free, uh, fridge and freezer with things from, from Trader Joe's. Yep, Trader Joe's seconds, which, you know, I will say this. It's great because people, well, yes, people do love free food. Also, you cook that stuff at home and I'm thinking, you know what, if there's food that's, you know, and the way that I look at if there's a photo shoot or something, mm-hmm. you're taking a picture of something that is hopefully going to entice and then you know, it's like a cookbook. Yeah. You're like, wow, well, sure, maybe we are just cooking this one dish for this picture and it seems to go to waste. But then you think, but then thousands of people get to look at this picture and then totally. become inspired by it. It's really cool. So you, what kind of extra stuff did you have? Oh, steaks and corn and veggies. And, That's what oh, and I forgot to, to tell you something and then and then we'll talk more about me, uh, <laughs> is that I had to make some noodles and zoodles vegetable noodles Ooh, oodles of zoodles would you oodles say and, zoodles. and i had a bunch of zucchini beet uh all kinds of zoodles left over vegetables yeah. and i boy i had a kind of a mixed bag and i boiled them and mixed made a zoodles. mixed zoodle bag and i really and i was like oh god oh god i, could, I would never oh god yeah Judge, judge, judge. Uh-huh. And the judge Judy was on our high high priestess court. <laughs> I rule against zoodles. Yeah, yeah. And I loved them. <gasps> I loved them. It was I delicious. am aghast. I felt it. Who who doesn't want vegetables with some butter and parm? That is very or fair. <clears throat> That's fair. I have a prejudice against zoodles as well. Okay. I, I take them to, you know, like I just, you know, the Instagram accounts that are like healthy, vegan, life yes, mom, yes. Mormon. I- <laughs> hashtag blessed life hashtag my like kids name keto like, i'm six pack like skylar tucker my kids no Z- offense zoe oh, yeah. that's my sister's <laughs> that's my, my sister's friend. baby yeah. that's my friend's name skylar tucker and zoe <laughs> um but you know what i mean so i that's what i think of zoodles as being and like try this like peanut butter meatball with your zoodles <laughs> but in actual <laughs> energy goo yeah. energy ball of goo mustard cocoa powder meatballs <laughs> live lots of energy and the turmeric powder burns your fat off your skin, your face. I mean, like, you know, but in reality, you're absolutely right. It's just a delicious vegetable in a different shape. It was just in a different shape. I thought, you know what? Shit. I have all these vegetables and I'm, I'm a, I'm a purist at heart. You know, when people say, that's the funny thing, right? When you cook for a living, mm. uh, some people are like, oh, what's your favorite restaurant? And I am kind of at this, you know, my middle age, I'm just sort of, I love restaurants. I love going there, but yeah. I get more excited about cooking at home for, yeah. and I love, like, for example, like, oh my God, what would you do with this beet? I'm like, I would take that beet and I would roast it whole mm. and then I will cut it in half and eat it like an apple Whoa, with or like, some salt on. Like that's my form of a beet. And maybe I'm unrefined. I don't yeah, know. That, that's, that's cave. That's true paleo. True, true caveman. My, my only, my only thing I want to recommend about eating zoodles of any kind is mm-hmm. just to do it in private. Just do it in private. <laughs> Just do it. Well, but private. what if we're at a dinner party? Privately eat it. Everyone puts on a blindfold. <laughs> <laughs> what are we eating? Uh, extruded um, parsnip juice. Okay, so where, me- where it's like when you're in a haunted house when you're like a little kid and everyone has a blindfold. You're like, and it's you know, or it's it's intestines. You put your hand in chocolate pudding. <laughs> it's what diarrhea. It? Yeah, it's diarrhea. <laughs> it's, it's always my favorite. 
Okay, so what about you? What's going on? What did you cook? What did you make? I want to hear all oh, about it. Because um, you're doing a lot of recipe testing. I'm doing testing. a lot of recipe testing. I think Is the, this confidential? No, I'm I'm a restaurant. Uh, I'm the culinary director for okay, a company okay. that does consulting and management. So I'm not going to tell you who my clients are, but... Um, so I, I'm developing a new veggie burger actually, which is kind of mm. the coolest thing that I did this week. Wow. Fun. And I'm using brown rice and grind, ground up chickpeas, um, not boiled, say, soaked. Okay. What did you think I was going to say? Ground up chicken. Ground chicken. Because I have like ground chicken for the veggie burger. <laughs> so here's the we secret. We cook it in duck fat. Here's the secret. It's we chicken. give it a duck fat sear, <laughs> soak it in some, um, some beef suet. And that is the. Best veggie burger you've ever had. Here's the secret. Okay, no, it's made of beef stew. Ground, so you do just a chickpea, like a chickpea flour. Like you, no, 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 like um, ground chickpeas that are soaked but not boiled. Uh-huh. So like you would do for a falafel. Got it. Um, brown rice and a bunch of veggies and potato starch and panko breadcrumbs. There's no eggs in it, mm-hmm. and the potato starch is awesome and gives it like the crunchiest crust on the outside. Potato starch is my go-to yeah. for f- if I do a cor- kind of a flour dust fry Me for too. seafood, potato starch. For kids, sure. Go guys. with it. It's mad crunchy. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. Um, you know, I haven't really, I don't, I haven't really been making anything too sweet. Oh, I experimented with a new uh, buttermilk pancake recipe today that I found on Smith and Kitchen. That's uh, very fluffy. Oh, wow. I'm making pina colada pancakes. Pina colada pancakes. That's oh, we right, made those folks. once, right? Yes, With we you, did. You worked on that once. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I can't. Yeah. I love pina colada pancakes. Those I know. are really good. Like a rum, like Malibu syrup, and like roasted pineapple. Malibu syrup and the sweets get me thinking. Do you serve? Does it serve with a diet coke? A Mal- <laughs> yes, it's it's served with coke with a line of coke. Whenever I think of Malibu, <laughs> I would I always think of uh, fake blonde. <laughs> oh yeah, college girls going like uh, Malibu and diet totally, and really high cut like thong underwear and like a short crimped like uh, a short cropped white t shirt with those little beads hanging mm-hmm. down over their belly, yeah, with, like strands. Oh, and, yeah. and like two guys walking down the beach with their like dead friend making pretending like he's alive. Wait, this is me. This is weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so what else? Okay, so you made we, that yeah. veggie burger. Should we gracefully get into our topic by just oh, saying gosh. what it is? We're just chit chatting. We've didn't even realize the mics are on. Well, suddenly it is 2020. I know. So, guys, it's Easter time, and Brenton and I decided today that our topic would be something sweet and that would give you a cavity. And, and by you- Easter, we don't adhere to any religious holiday or anything. It just, it just happens to have the best candy. Exactly. And colors. Although my friend... Uh, Brett... I'm going to say this. Brett Warnke. Oh, what up, Brett Warnke? Yeah, yeah. He said he... Nothing makes him more disgusted than Easter decorations. And then I said, snob. And then I said, but But what about Martha Stewart? And he said, well, fine. If there's one person's decorations, I could, I could stand. It would be Martha Stewart's. I don't love Easter decorations either, to be honest with you. They're not my favorite because I have a secret to reveal. I don't really love spring. Oh, okay. Well, that's perfect. Spring's my least least favorite season. those of you that like life, you can continue to listen to me. (laughs) And for those of you that are in the goth and dark scene and don't want it. I get allergies, Actually, man. I've that. got no time for spring. Is it hot? Is it cold? What's going on? Anyway, tell us about candy, Breton. All right. So listen, we're talking about candy. Now, listen, I want to talk to you about something first about, you know, candy. And I thought, oh, my gosh, Easter time, Hanukkah, I guess, whatever, you know, springtime. And Passover. Passover. What, what did I say? Hanukkah. You did. <laughs> I'm a Jews. Yeah. Take note. <laughs> yeah. He is not a friend. And <laughs> <laughs> whoops. <laughs> And edit, delete, repeat, forgive, empowered. I've converted to Judaism. 
it's been wonderful. But no, listen, candy is mo- for used to be in the in the United States of America. The two most popular uh, times of the year for candy were what do you think? What do you think, Zara? Uh, Halloween and Valentine's Day. Okay, well, actually, it was Easter and Chris and Christmas time. Oh wow! Excuse uh, and me. Halloween really didn't get popular until maybe like 1940s, and then by the mid 50s, late 50s is when it really got okay. going. It started to appear in American culture, and I'm talking Halloween candy, right, right, trick right, or treating. Right. So really, blades. Easter was kind of the big one, and candy companies really didn't do a whole lot for for Halloween until, you know, it became more popular in the 50s. So Easter was a big one. Okay. And so since we're up on that, and now, you know, it's like when you think about candy, first of all, I thought, oh, this is easy. You know, think of like, eh. And I thought, oh, my God, there's brittles, hearts, candy, there's caramels, chocolate candies, fudges, uh, marzipans, maple candies, glassade fruits, divinities, nougats, coconut candies, droplets, (laughs) droplets, drops, droops, drips, like, you name it, there is a candy for your personality. Let's not even talk about gelatin-based candies. Oh, Madonna Mia. If you were a candy, what would you be? Uh, a bleeding heart. Uh, no, I would be a. I would be angel food. Is that a? Yeah, it's like is that, that a wh- cake. It's kind of like divinity, isn't it? Is that, am I, I thinking think of the same thing? I think you're thinking of angel food cake. I'm thinking of that. That oh, sea foam, mm, chocolate sea foam. That's obscure. I know. Well, it was actually the first candy recipe I ever made as a young child. Amazing. I mean, what young? Budding? Oh, you're talking about sponge candy. Sponge candy. Yeah, that's it was, sometimes good. they call it sea foam. Mm-hmm. In Wisconsin, I feel you. Exactly. I'd be a Cadbury cream man because I'm full of cream. Well, exactly. Call me. And kind of a little too <laughs> sweet sometimes. <laughs> Followed by a wrapper that gets stuck in your teeth. Ah, <laughs> foil. Okay, so candy. Anyway, so Easter that happened. <sighs> Uh, but yeah, besides that, candy really wasn't popular until sugar was made available to the masses, right? Oh, okay. So think 1800s, uh, mid to late 1800s. Yes, sugar was around. The first candies were made from simply honey and nuts. Oh, wow. Going back as far as Egyptian times. And uh, so you would maybe roll some nuts and some honey, let that dry, and it would get sweet. And then often they said in the 1800s that candy was specifically used to mask medicine. So it was something that was used as a digestive, right? And this Mm -hmm. in term... Fooling children. Mm -hmm. I think it actually came, the original word candy actually came from an Ayurvedic or a Sanskrit word, uh, kandi, kanda. And then the Persians (laughs) and the Middle Easterns took over with candy with a Q, Q Q-A-N-D-I. Isn't that cute? Yes, that's like a great stripper name. Yeah, candy with a Q. Yeah. Hi, my name's Candy with a Q. Cute. I think it's adorable. <laughs> uh, so really, candy, and this was after the Industrial uh-huh. Revolution, Domino Sugar comes over, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, we have so much sugar. And then it became more of a common, pl- well, for common people, because it was really reserved for, for the very wealthy. Common with a Q. Common with a Q. <laughs> So, yeah, That's so there are a lot of different, can- you know, sugar. Basically, it's the work, the magic, you know, work of sugar. Yeah, melted boy down sugar. And, like, what, you know, what defines candy from a dessert? Uh, I don't know. I mean. That's interesting. That's actually a very it's something existential th- question. Something to think about over your next picnic. Did I ever tell you, speaking of existential, I don't know if you were working at Brucey then, but there was a couple, you know how I love a theme night. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of um, Easter's, maybe it was like Easter 2014, and I was like, I know what we're doing for Easter. We're going to do an egg-themed dinner. It's going to be called an egg sustenshell crisis mm, dinner. That's a real good one. <laughs> and nobody let me do it. 
<laughs> I wasn't allowed my own the restaurant. Owner, the owner was. I was. It was like a mutiny on it the was bounty. Like the CEO, like the board, <laughs> voted you off. Exactly. Like you're no longer a part of. They're like we're not any having of this. We're not having an existential crisis yeah. egg based themed dinner. I was like, well, you know what? I will do it at my house. For you can myself. remain as a profit share, but you no longer have any say of any decision made. <laughs> Goodbye, exactly. Zara. I went home and ate three dozen eggs to myself. And that was that. Um, Breton, should we take a little break ski? And then I want to tell you about something that we both love very much. And I bet some of the listeners might, too. I cannot wait. Okay. <laughs> Patina Restaurant Group offers unparalleled service in New York's most iconic locations, including Lincoln Center, Rockefeller Center, and Macy's Herald Square. Patina is also the exclusive caterer at Brooklyn Botanic Garden. From meetings and presentations in the glass-walled atrium, to galas in the renovated Palm House, and intimate wedding showers at Yellow Magnolia Cafe, your event will be perfectly imagined and customized at Brooklyn Botanic Garden. You can also enjoy a la carte brunch and lunch at the picturesque Yellow Magnolia Cafe overlooking Lilypool Terrace. Executive chef Morgan Jarrett's unique menu offers warm, distinctive cuisine with a focus on local vegetables, grains, and sustainably sourced meats and fish. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Andrew Friedman, and I'm the host of Andrew Talks to Chefs here on HRN. Every week, I interview a diverse cross-section of the best and biggest names in professional cooking. Give a listen and get to know all about the inner lives of chefs. You can find Andrew Talks to Chefs wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Hi, um, this is Candy with a Q. Hi, Candy. How are you? Hi. Um, I was just wondering, I think that I left my Limeade Bath and Body Works spray in here. Um, I was in here mm-hmm. last. You no? know what's so funny? I have a coconut, um, I have a pineapple coconut, and oh. I have a saffron uh, juniper. But Weird. <laughs> um, I also think I left my Bartles and James six-pack of wine coolers. Mm-hmm. No? no, I just have four Zima. That's it. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, if you find <laughs> it, um, I also left some Crystal Pepsi, so um, I'm going to no, go. we have some Crystal meth, but... <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> I want to hear your story. <laughs> okay, so my story, guys, is about everybody's favorite candy-related movie and perhaps the only movie about candy and book to ever be written or read. Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, or if you do... Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka <clears throat> and the Chocolate Factory. Exactly. Written by another but Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl was born September 13th, 1916 in Wales to Norwegian parents. Um, and to date, his books have sold over 250 million copies worldwide. Million copies. So I, my favorite Roald Dahl book, movie, everything is definitely uh, Charlie and Chalk Factory uh, or Willy Wonka and the Chalk Factory if you're talking about the movie. But some of his others, in case you guys don't remember, are James and the Giant Peach, Matilda, The Witches, which was so scary. I saw Witches when I was a little kid with my dad, R.I.P., in the Smith Haven Mall. And I remember the first couple minutes. You ever see that movie? And the witches take their f- shoes off and they have square toes. Angelica Houston, she's all square toed and shit. No, I never. I ran s- out of there. As and one I should. I still cannot watch it. I can watch anything about serial killers. I can listen to true crime all day. I cannot watch that movie. The witches. Don't call me. And he wrote the fantastic Mr. Fox, which I didn't actually realize either. Wes oh. Anderson, call me. 
Um, <clears throat> anyway, so he had kind of a, te- you know, on this show, this, this story in general, like the story of Charlie and Chocolate Factory and of Roald Dahl himself yes. is so applicable to what we talk about here, like highs and lows, because his life was riddled with awful kind of stuff and also tremendous highs when he was so acclaimed and talented. And mm-hmm. then the story itself of Charlie and Chocolate Factory, Charlie himself is this kid who is you know, rags, it's a rags to riches story. It's all about the everlasting gobstopper. It's true. Life is kind of like an everlasting gobstopper. Everlasting gobstopper. Anyway, so, um, where did I go? Okay. So in 1920, um, his sister died when he was seven years old. And then a couple weeks later, his dad died. And then he had to go to a school for boys when he was 13, where he was like really abused and something that always stuck with. Oh, I thought you were going to say that's where he learned how to masturbate. Well, he was probably masturbating when he got abused. Yeah, this is taking a dark turn. (laughs) Next. Both happened, hopefully separately. Foot and mouth syndrome. (laughs) Um, So he went to the school for boys where he got beat up really badly and it always stuck with him. And it was part of like what really went into his writing about and kind of why he wrote about the underdog. And mm-hmm. wrote. I think he might have gotten stuck a little bit in childhood, and that's why he kept writing children's books. Um, so, any also when he was in school, though, it was near Cadbury, and they would send chocolate samples and to the school, and he was a Cadbury chocolate tester. Oh my taste god! Tester. Did he get money for that? I don't think so. They probably swindled children. But They're it's like, hey, kids, how he well did, they got free candy. That's he did, a- and he became obsessed with candy, and he be, became obsessed with candy shops. And that's why he said the Candyman can. Also, the Candyman was a horrible serial killer named Dean Coral who killed like young high school aged boys in the 1970s. Oh yeah, look it up. Was, oh no, I Candyman, uh, Candyman, Candyman. Movie about it. Yeah, it's really that's a fucked up story. Anyway, so then he goes on to be a fighter pilot in World War II. He crashes a plane um, outside Egypt because people gave him the wrong directions, but he miraculously lives through that. And then he starts writing children's books. Wow. I know. Don't you love when somebody says, oh, then he crashed a plane, but he was fine, and he was supposed to be in Egypt somewhere else, but he wasn't. I know. It's insane. So there's always like a, and we can't get too much into this, but there's always kind of a cloud of anti-Semitism and racism surrounding Roald Dahl. Really? Yeah, kind of. A little bit. And, you know, Charlie and Chalk Factory with the Oompa-Loompas is fairly horribly racist and supporting like imperialistic conquering and. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. But. What do you get when you guzzle down sweets? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> eating as much as an elephant eats <laughs> sorry i've seen that movie 249 I love it times so much so, yeah. it's so good so anyway um but he starts writing children's books and in 1962 uh he wrote charlie and chalk factory i believe in 64 in 62 his daughter uh his son gets sick actually and he starts invent drops everything he's doing to try to invent a machine that can fix his son's health huh. i believe it was like a lung condition or a heart condition i'll have to look it up um and then a couple months or a couple years later, his daughter dies when she's a little kid. And so the, wow. he always said that the character in Willy Wonka, the inventor to try to fix things and was really about him. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's where the crazy inventor side came, came in. So then he writes this book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which was originally written as a book called Charlie's Chocolate Boy. And Charlie's Chocolate Boy, in that version, Charlie Bucket was a black child and... He was still good. He was still the good one out of the group. Um, however, he got he did something wrong in the book, and he got coated in chocolate, and then taken home. Augustus Gloop. No. Oh, sorry. Augustus <laughs> Gloop was still also in the book, but Charlie in the book got covered in chocolate. He gets taken home as a oh, gift for yes. Willy Wonka's son, and then he 
happens to see out of the eye holes in the chocolate a robbery taking place in Willy Wonka's house. Tell identifies the robbers. For that, he's busted out of the chocolate and given his own candy store in town. That's the original story. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was meant to speak about how um, black children at that time were being stereotyped and put into a, you know, in, into a box, into a shell, into a mold of something that, you know, was against so their will. symbolism, I had no idea. Right, which was so interesting, but then somehow he ends up turning around and making this, like, racist thing with the uh, Oompa Loompas. It's just a weird thing. Um, so there's pretty stark Wait, differences. Hold, I don't need to get into this, but why j- why is it considered racist? Well, because, because of- he because he's like, he, I found these Oompa Loompas. They were on a, a tribe in the Amazon. And but I thought they were getting eaten by snozwanglers and, and I know, but he, they were getting eaten by horns, but he made it seem like, and now they work for me and they're so happy. It was like yeah, it's imperialistic, like yeah, yeah. forced slave labor. Well, they seem to be happy. Before. And they were originally supposed to be black. And then the NAACP made them orange with green hair. Thank oh, the fucking Lord. Okay. Um, Gosh, I'm so naive. I assume, yeah. I assume the best. Well, because, but you know, it's, we saw it when we were kids though. And so we hold it in our heart in a certain place and we, you know, but when you look into it and so some of the other quick things I want to tell you about, um, Charlie and Chalk Factory, and I kind of went back and forth between wanting to talk about some of the weird things that happened on set. Um, like for instance, Gene Wilder tried to surprise everybody and not tell them anything he was going to do to actually have like the element mm-hmm. of surprise. But what I really wanted to talk about is how, in essence, um, it's a socialist film because mm-hmm. it's really about, uh, you know, the message of working hard and being happy and morality and everybody contributing to kind of make it good is really woven in there. And it's post-World War II, filmed in Munich. Um, I don't know. It has definitely huh. a kind of socialist agenda. And also something I was reading that really fascinated me is that essentially people have distilled that the book is about the seven deadly sins and each kid represents one of the sins because there was three characters that were written out of them out of the book Mm. that represented all the deadly sins. And so they talk about how Willy Wonka knew who all those kids were, right? Because what's his name? Uh, the guy who thinks evil, the whole movie, but then ends up being good. Who whispers to, for his assistant. Oh, that's right. What's his I name? actually forgot. I know this is so bad. I guess it looks um, like I need to watch it again. He <laughs> knew where all those kids were ahead of time. So they knew who all those kids were. They placed them. And it's like that he was really kind of this like yeah, masochistic serial killer. The, the golden ticket. That yeah. Was, oh, now and I he just wanted to kind of, my... he wanted to cleanse the world of, because he had gotten so sick of seeing what humanity does. And, you know, people with people stealing recipes that he found the worst children in the world and got rid of them and then tested Charlie knowing that he was good. Um, I don't know. It was just like so interesting. It got me to thinking about just, you know, Charlie was the one who had it the worst and yet he had the best attitude. And that is exactly what we talk about in essence on this podcast. Yeah. Well, that is great. I want to, I'm trying to think of some of the other fabulous candies that they had there. There was the, the lickable wallpaper, the lickable wallpaper in Snozberry. Yeah. My favorite candy in that movie is when Willy Wonka sits down to drink a cup of tea and then he eats the teacup. Mm-hmm. I just did that oh. the other day with a daffodil. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say with a teacup. No, I took a daffodil and I plucked it off and I tried to drink the tea. And oh. There was acid, New York acid rain. <laughs> my tongue still was. It was full of like homeless <laughs> my, person urine. Yeah, with this hole in my tongue. Just kidding. It's a piercing for the That's 90s. Funny. So yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's a really good example of just you, you know, you see the grandparents in bed and everyone was trying to, you know, don't, 
don't buy the chocolate bar, Grandpa. This money's for your pipe tobacco. And everyone just wants to do good by each other, even though they're the ones who are like, also, why are the grandparents always in bed? <laughs> for 20 years. They're like only like 65. They're like, time to get in bed all Hell together yeah. and stay here. Wow. But uh, no, it just has such a great, a great message and a dark message and a deep message, which I think Roald Dahl did a great job for whatever his core beliefs were. I hope they were good, but if they weren't, you know, he presented really challenging subject matter to kids and often through using food, the peach. Well, yeah. He also wrote call me by your name. (laughs) So he loved candy. Well, he knew that children were easily, who isn't enticed by candy. I know. And those big chocolate bars always look good. And like, it, I love the old trope of the like candy store owner. You know what I mean? With all kinds of jars and powders and tinctures and lollipops. Pop, uh, pop rocks. And- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and what were those things? Remember when you were, oh, let's talk about uh, candy cigarettes. Oh, hell yeah. You would try to bring those back. You just showed up my house one day, like pretending like nothing happened. I think I was trying to quit. No, I was, I think I thought I wanted to smoke a cigarette or something. Right. And yeah, you're right. Candy cigarettes. They are a thing. Yeah. I think I've got some right now. I'm going to stop at Dylan's candy bar. Oh, perfect. So this week, Breton on Chef Recommends. Yeah, Chef Recommends. What do you recommend about um, maybe ways to make candy at home? Okay. Well, first of all, you must pick a category. (laughs) Uh, so I found this really fabulous, uh, very old, one of those little magazine cookbooks mm. um, from the 1950s. This one uh, is actually copyrighted 1941. Can you believe it? I'm holding it in my Holy hand. Holy guacamole. Uh, and it says 250 ways to make candy. Um, we'll, put, we'll put a picture of it on our Instagram, Life's a Banquet Show, or is it Life's a Banquet Show? Life's a Banquet Show. Not our email, which is Life's a Banquet Podcast at No, gmail.com. it's opposite. Oh, we are perfect. Life's Banquet Podcast on Instagram and Life's Banquet Show. Well, you know what? <gasps> Strike that. Reverse it. Flip oh, it and reverse like that. it. That was a good Willy Wonka quote. So, oh, yeah. Uh, right. Strike that. Reverse it. So, okay. So, if you're making candy at home, first of all, I would recommend if you're going, well, you're going to need one thing, uh, first of all, which is a candy thermometer. Because <clears> when you're working with sugar, be very cautious. Because when you boil sugar, it it reaches very extreme high temperatures mm-hmm. um such as the hard crack stage which is Ooh, upwards the- of 310 degrees fahrenheit folks hello my my mid-20s the hard crack the hard crack exactly <laughs> so you know a category so i always say there's caramels there's fudges uh there's taffies mm. i mean think about it you, you the list goes on brittles and hard candies coconut candy marzipan so i always like to pick a category i think a really good easy candy to start off with is fudge because oh, yeah, fudge, is a, fudge is a candy also yeah. another great one is brittle because brittle you can just grab some nuts some leftovers and you can just pour the sugar right over it yeah brittle is great yeah pour it over some parchment and boom crack you got chunks of brittle stab your neighbors with right like <laughs> ah, the evidence. i ate the evidence it's gone so yeah making candy at home so pick a category there's many many uh, recipes online and I would say, but my favorite one is chocolate seafoam, which is oh, actually so kind of tricky. It involves whipping egg whites and... There's like baking soda involved. Ba- there, right? no, that's right. Baking soda. They also, I think in the UK, they call that, um, what's the name for it? Sponge uh, candy. Sponge candy. But there's a name for it in the UK. I don't call know. Call us. Yeah. Y'all are UK listeners, please. I don't, I'm still 
I'm having a hard time with Brexit right now, so I'm not. <laughs> so anything British has just been exited out of my mind. I really like making that um, matzah can matzah crack candy. That's an easy thing to make. I made that. It's, for, it's a brittle. Yes. Yeah, so you take either matzah or saltine crackers, depending on your religion. <laughs> <laughs> saltines for the yeah, for, saltines for, for the me. Gentiles <laughs> and for you, you get a matzah. Yes. Okay, we're all friends. We just have different. I'm actually names. half matzah, half saltine. Yeah, yeah. and I'm. <laughs> I'm just, You're full I'm, I'm whatever, salty. I'm just whatever is delicious, <laughs> whatever's delicious and cheaper. Uh, so that in that case, a matzo. So, but anyway, you take salting crackers and you pour hot brown sugar and butter over it. Uh, and then you can like, I think, and then you put some chocolate over it grrr. and you put it in the oven. So that's it. And then you put some nuts on it and it's you pull good. it out and it dries and you crack it into pieces and it's, they call it liquid crack, except that it's not liquid. I have something to tell you that I just thought of and the yes. chef recommends because I was thinking of what kind of cracker I would actually want to be. And I mm-hmm. thought, well, of course, a Trisket, the woven wheat. It's I so glamorous. Say a sesame wasa. Oh, well, that would maybe be my <laughs> second. But then I thought, Trisket crack. Trisket crack. Oh, oh no, that's here we go. My God. I'm, I'm going to make it this week. I'm only curious how the texture of the Trisket will hold up once the sugar... Will it get too soft? There's literally only one way to find out. And that is by making it or yeah. by, by entering it into Google. <laughs> um, Google. Google, is it okay? <laughs> Googling and then eat a bite of your phone. So, Brenton, what are your top three... <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is get a get a candy cookbook and... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and don't ask me. <laughs> Our tips for how to make candy is buy no, a book on it. Like tips for Consult how to make candy is because I said the same thing. I'm like, oh, I just get a candy book. And I thought, oh my God, this book alone is 250 ways, which A, overwhelmed me. B, got, made me stressed out. C, made me never want to make candy again. Start easy. I'd say start with like things like marshmallows. Start with making peanut butter cups. Those are super easy. Um, start with making this like Mott's crack or Trisket crack, mm-hmm. whatever kind of crack. Then we're going to move into, then we're going to move into tiny gummy, gummy worms, mm. um, mushroom edibles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Psilocybin edibles followed by finish with pop rocks. <laughs> finish with feeding your children, marijuana edibles. No problem. Amazing. Everybody's relaxed. One thing that we do know, um, is what our top three favorite candies are. And mm. I also would like to leave time to say my top three least favorite candies because I feel just as passionately about that. Okay, well, let's do this, Zara. I want to hear about your top three favorite candies. Okay, I mean... Starting with number seven. (laughs) Number three of my top three favorite candies. These are obscure. Um, I love the jelly slices. I don't know if you remember those from being a kiddo. Are you kidding me? All the different fruit slices and different colors, and they're jelly, and you can eat the rind, and they're delicious. I'm going to give you a little little secret. Mm. Uh, If you live in Brooklyn or New York City or anywhere nearby or you're visiting New York City, which you should be on a yearly basis uh, to find out the what our world is coming to uh, go to Sahadi's Sahadi's. They have them there. They have uh, those fruit slices. They have grapefruit, pink grapefruit and lemon. And I believe they sometimes have orange and they are very expensive and but very good and real thick. Oh man, yeah, those yeah. are my fa- those are my third favorite. Mm-hmm. My second favorite is any kind of chocolate covered toffee, so like a score bar, oh or God. like my mom always gets Bobby. This one's for you. This is our mutual favorite. I'm actually salivating from Bon Bon's Chocolatier specifically in Huntington. They have the most delicious toffee that's just coated in dark chocolate and crushed peanuts, and it's just so good. Mm-hmm. That's peanuts, not peanuts. Ladies, get your mind out of the gutter. That's right. And my too. number one favorite candy, hands down, unequivocally, always and forever. And some people might argue this is not a candy, but it definitely is. Well, go ahead. I'll be the, I'll be the judge. Reese's Pieces. What? Of course it's a candy. 
I know it's a candy. It's it's definitely a candy. Yeah, no 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 doubt about it. What are your top three favorite? Okay, well, number three would be, as I mentioned earlier, chocolate sea foam. Mm. Uh, and that's sort of one of those, you know, you go to that. Have you ever been in a Mackinac Island or Mackinac, Mackinac Island in Michigan? Or, you know, you go to like a little tourist town in yeah. the summer and there's a little candy shop and mm-hmm. they always have things and everything's fifteen ninety nine a pound or yes, something. Yes, the oldest candy shop in town. Yes, yes. Our local candy shop. That's what Bon Bon's is the like. Best, exactly. Yeah. So you, those are the kinds of things you find there. Mm-hmm. The quality of the chocolate is always sort of mysterious. Yes. Like where are you getting? It's not right. Elbow. It's not. What is this shit? Yeah, it's not even Nestle's. Uh, number two uh, would be anything. I do like a gummy, a sour gummy candy. Yeah, me too. And I'm talking about worms. I'm talking about <laughs> bears. I'm talking about, there's even, there's peaches. sour cats. There's sour peaches. There's sour, sour watermelon. There's sour grapes. There's sour, I mean, you name it. They oh, got a sour, sour cherries. Sour cherries. There's sour dogs. There's sour babies. <laughs> there's sour penises. Oh, there, there literally are sour yeah, penises. I had sour miniature penises the other day. The other day? It was when you'd cater to party. Oh, yes, yes, It yes, was a celebrity yes. party, just so you know. <laughs> We're in that circle. But my number one all-time favorite, and you just said it was chocolate peanut butter anything oh yeah and i love those buckeye i think they're called buckeye Buckeye balls balls. i think they're fit they're they're known for being from ohio indiana Indiana. okay yeah yeah, yeah. so somewhere in the midwest (laughs) yeah somewhere between california and new york city (laughs) (laughs) somewhere in the baloney of america yeah uh those are definitely my top three what are your top three least favorite candies oh uh, and i didn't name pop rocks because that's an obvious oh yeah we were gonna try to get some today but we couldn't be bothered yeah. Just imagine yeah. it. Breton we drinking busy. a Coke. Yeah. Exploding, <laughs> exploding on the air. Exploding live on air. <laughs> never to be seen again. <laughs> yeah. Well, my t- least three. I, I, and this is going to sound really bad. No, please, haters beware. Toffee. You know why? Because hmm. toffee gets stuck in my teeth and then it makes me feel awkward. So you don't like a Heath bar? Uh, not like score Heath. Oh, wow. Now, hold on a second. No, I'm, I'm starving leaving. right now. If you put it in front of me. <laughs> I would eat it very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> without with, completely mindlessly. Totally. And I'd ask for another one. But it is you asked me my least favorite. Yeah, I didn't no. say I hated it. I need to know your three least favorite. Okay, though. so that one, number two, believe it or not, junior mints. Oh, mm. really? I fucking love a junior. I know. This is where we're gonna mint. start fighting. And number one, gum drops. They're not sour, uh, they're not they're like too, a juju. What about a ju- juju? Yeah, like, aren't they kind of the same thing? They're just kind yeah, of Yeah, a drop of a drop cook. of of pureed cow foot yeah. gelatin f- colored with multi with FTC number two blue yeah. yellow lake three. No, thank you. No. What my number, th- my top three least favorite candies. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Boston big beans. Oh, get Sorry. the hell out of here! Get the heck out of here! Like I can't leave, swear. leave town forever I'm and don't come back anymore. Exactly. Don't fucking swear. No, ever. Um, number two are those <laughs> weird peanut marshmallow things what are those no <laughs> goodbye I, had, I was doing a food selling event and my boss was like you need to find those those peanut and i was like i don't know where they are she said check the she's like check the disgusting grocery stores check like the ups store because it's essentially the same thing they pack packages with <laughs> no no where do those even get made actually if you know call me and what flavor are they uh i think they're supposed to be peanut butter i would think yeah, but what I'm saying, what is the end outcome of that flavor? I don't know. Styrofoam. My number one 
unequivocally oh, here least we go. favorite. Not even a question. Don't know why it exists. Please. Yeah, we're focusing on the negative today. Please, 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 no. Um, red flag, if I ever, but P.S., if I ever I'm go on a date with a guy, okay, everything's you know. going great. We're hitting it off. I'm like, this is the going to be the father of my children that I don't really want to have necessarily. Mm-hmm. They're very expensive. Um, and, and like then handy. he all of a sudden reaches into his pocket and pulls out a Tootsie Roll. <laughs> I'll tell you a little story, folks. Did I tell this on, on air already? Is that I we used to be a waiter at the Ritz-Carlton in Chicago, and the air... Who was, I believe, you the did, gra- but tell him. Yeah, again. but I believe it was the granddaughter. Uh, she was the nastiest woman, and she lived. She was in the residence of the hotel, Ritz Carlton, Chicago. Mm. She inherited everything. She was a, gr- and she was greedy, and she was. Imagine she was. She actually looked like a tootsie roll, but a little bit of, like the kind that you like squash. The shape of a tootsie roll. The kind when you squash. Yes. And a child squishes it, and then they're like, "Oh, you want it?" And their thumbprints are in it, and you look like, "No, get out of here." It's an eraser. It's an That's eraser. Flavored and kind so of like chocolate. And so she was nasty, and nothing made her happy. And I just remember my manager at the time saying, "She's the." God, she's the heir of the Tootsie Roll fortune. <laughs> and he really did talk like that. That's funny. And, and he said, she even looks like a Tootsie Roll. Oh my God, that's mean. But I do love a Tootsie Pop. Mm-hmm. A Tootsie Pop is delicious. They're some of the best lollipops on the market. We didn't even talk about lollipops. I know. Also, I love blow pops and blow. Anyway, Breton, so <laughs> yeah. this has been an amazing, riveting episode. We laughed. We cried. We had a ball. Caramel. We talked about spun sugar. I also love Cadbury cream eggs, and I do not care. Full mm-hmm. of weird icing, so sugary and sweet. Mm-hmm. And One then finally, let's uh, finish this off with talking about the box of chocolates. And we talked about this once before. Oh, yeah. And we're going to say no to anything raspberry nougat. Oh, no. Raspberry nougat has no place in my life. So for those of you that are listening, uh, Zara and I, are, uh, we have a coalition starting to <laughs> ban this and eliminate it from the planet Earth. Yeah. And we actually don't, when people discover, and by people I mean aliens, <laughs> when they are not discovered, but rather reveal that they've been coming down, haunting us. We would like to make sure they don't know that we've ever made raspberry nougat. Yeah, goodbye. I also want to give a shout out on Bobby's behalf because Bobby and I are talking about favorite candies. Your mother. My mother, Bobby, um, loves and loved a 50s candy, which I also love. Oh, yes. BB Bats. Oh, I don't know what those are. They're like taffy. They're like a hard taffy lollipop, and they come in like banana and strawberry and chocolate. They're really, really delicious. Well, listen, all I would say is this week, go down your candy rabbit hole. And mm. you know what? It is kind of fun once in a while. Find a fun candy shop. Yeah. And give yourself a $20 bill. Yep. And smoke some weed. Yeah. And go nuts. And you will have a lot of fun. I think I might do the same thing myself. I know. We should get some candy. All right, you little nutballs out there. Hasta la creepypasta. Mm-hmm. Speaking of nutballs, oh. gotta run. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. H- hang on. I want to say one more thing before <laughs> uh, we leave. It's always one. Always Just the last one more word. Thing. Always the last word. Um... Mm-hmm. One <laughs> Live show. Time sending out. Suspense yeah. is killing me. It better be good. One day things will change. When? Probably when you least expect it. Oh. Well. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. 
for our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.